Just a warning before we begin, this episode is not suitable for children. Hi there, this is Charlotte Stenerson, and welcome to the third episode of the podcast, Stuff I Wish I Could Say. And today, I wish I could talk about CSE and SEL. And if you don't know what those letters mean, stay tuned. I'm about to tell you all about it. Okay, so maybe that wasn't the whole truth. Maybe I can't tell you all about it. Um, The standards and um, the wording for SEL is purposefully vague. Um, We'll get more into that later. So why do I need an excuse? Why is CSE and SEL on a podcast called Stuff I Wish I Could Talk About? Well, to be brutally honest with you, um, if you don't want to take your kids out of public school, you don't want to know this stuff. Um, It's a lot of information and it's kind of heavy and your eyes start to glaze over and you change the subject quickly because um, maybe you don't want to face the facts. So uh, CSE, or we'll start with SEL, social and emotional learning. This is taken, um, this description is taken straight from Washington State's OSPI website. And um, I'm just going to read it to you. Social and emotional learning, SEL, is broadly understood as a process through which individuals build awareness and skills in managing emotions, setting goals, establishing relationships, and making responsible decisions that support success in school and in life. When we think of educating the whole child, their social and emotional development must be considered as part of overall instruction. So, you know, that doesn't sound too bad, right? But here's the deal. Um, When you're signing your kid up for public school, you are signing them up for SEL. What you are also signing them up for is a teacher who may not believe, like you do, taking on the whole um, child, your whole child. They're not just going to school to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. Um, don't you worry. That teacher is also going to take care of your child's emotional development, um, in any way that she sees fit. So we had a bad experience with this in our, um, public school, homeschool program in which a teacher was teaching my, um, very young child, Things that completely went opposite of our beliefs. Um, And I didn't know about it. I found out about a year later when my daughter brought it up and said, uh, Miss So-and-so read me a book that had lies in it, Mom. And um, I was shocked. I didn't want to believe that could happen in a school where I had a relationship with the teacher, where um, I was there pretty often I thought I knew what was going on, but I didn't. So when I first started out um, with my research for SEL, I had already done done a ton of research on CSE um, back about a year ago, over a year ago. Um, I I would have thought that CSE and SEL were two totally separate things until I went on the OSPI website and um, found a little tab called Relevant SEL Legislation. That is legislation that is relevant to social and emotional learning. Um, under that was the bill um, SB 5395 
the CSE bill, sexual health education. So um, there you have it. The two are intertwined. Um, and like I said, the wording is vague. So anything can be taught and be called social and emotional learning. Now, of course, we would hope and pray for Christian teachers for our kids, and sometimes we get them, and that's awesome. Um, but sometimes we don't, and you're not there all the time. You don't know, um, which means you have to do the work of a parent of undoing what was learned at school that day, each and every day. Um, honestly, get to tell you, homeschooling is easier than that. Um, so in my research on SEL, I decided, you know, I want to listen to not just conservative viewpoints. I want to listen to the other side. And from what I heard, I listened to podcasts. I love podcasts, obviously, because I made one. Um, I was listening to, oh, there's, there's actually a podcast with a teacher, um, who just loves SEL and wants to talk about it and, and ways to implement it in your classroom. You know, it's a podcast for teachers. Um, and from everything I heard on that, sounds like SEL is more about raising social justice warriors than it is about social and emotional learning and development. Um, one of the things that I heard um, on this podcast was this was a preschool teacher in Seattle. And he said that um, one of his jobs as an early childhood educator is to pro provide a counter narrative. And I start, started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, you're in Seattle. Uh, wh what is your narrative counter to? Because it's most definitely not counter to um, the city you live in or the people you're surrounded by or what's in our media worldwide. Um, sounded like to me it was counter uh, to the family. And um, he felt it was his job to show the children another way that maybe their parents at home hadn't um, shown them. So there's a teacher, her name is Jennifer McWilliams of Indiana. And um, she was actually fired for being too vocal about SEL and how she felt about it. So this is a quote from her. The thing I find to be the most disturbing about social emotional learning is how well it disguises its true sinister motives. She told the Epic Times. Parents do not understand that SEL psychologically manipulates children to question and eventually rebuke any Christian or conservative beliefs that may be taught in the home. So teachers have to be trained on how to implement this because they are teachers trained to teach children, not be therapists, not be um, um, social justice warriors to children. And um, in some SEL teacher training, there are big red flags. Planned Parenthood is often listed as a reference in SEL materials. And um, GLSEN, G-L-S-E-N, the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, PFLAG, and the Transgender Political Coalition show up as sponsors at, um, this was at an SEL teacher conference next June in Nashville. So this is, it's just scary, scary, treacherous ground. This is not, um, this is not good news for Christian families. Government should never try to replace 
families? Do you want the government to try to replace your role as um, as the the moral compass in your child's life? You are the one that is supposed to be teaching them right from wrong, not teachers, not government. Um, Parents should rightly be objecting that the school, which means the government, has no business analyzing and trying to change a child's psychological makeup. So all students in public schools from kindergarten through high school seniors um, would be measured with SEL. They they actually track this information um, on five non-cognitive factors, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision making. So under this system, teachers become more than teachers. They're they're therapists. Um, and students would be essentially their patients. This is um, not how it's supposed to be. So this information that is collected, this data that's collected on students can follow them throughout their life and um, could result in like improper labeling of the student um, even in later years when they are no longer a student. So another concern is the federal government does not actually have the constitutional authority to um, promote or develop all of these social emotional learning standards. So there's that. (laughs) Um, Another concern is that teachers that have to implement these standards may end up taking on the role of mental health therapist, and they are not professionally trained for that. Um, Social and emotional learning programs take away time from academic knowledge and fundamental skills instruction. Do you wonder why um, schools are failing throughout this country? They're spending a lot of time promoting um, beliefs and ideologies and values rather than on reading, writing, and arithmetic like they used to. Not only that, but um, those values, beliefs, all of that may not be reflected of parents. Duh, that one's pretty obvious. Um, Another thing is parents are not usually super informed on this, and there is no um, permission slip. You do not, they don't tell you what they're going to teach, and you don't get to consent to your child learning whatever is taught. So those are a couple concerns with SEL. Um, I encourage you to do your own research. And um, and if you're going to continue to be sending your kids, just know what they're learning. Um, know their teachers. And even in that, it happened to me. Um, that's not always a perfect system to protect them. Okay, so moving on to CSE, Comprehensive Sex Education. Um, This was uh, Senate Bill 5395, and it went into effect December 3rd, 2020. So what does this mean? Well, obviously, comprehensive sex education. um, We will be teaching our public school students more about sex. Um, And it will be comprehensive. That means it must um, include all sexualities and genders and... um, be inclusive of everyone. So um, before this, Washington State schools could teach sex ed if they desired. If they desired to teach sex ed, it did have to follow the state standards. Um, Now, this means uh, all grades need to be taught CSE by the 2022-2023 school year. So um, 
be aware that if your child's uh, school chooses to adopt CSE earlier than 22, 23, um, they will have to follow the standards. So those standards went into law, I think, back in, let me see, 2005. Uh, CSE curriculum must use the standards from the January 2005 guidelines for sexual health information and disease prevention, the Healthy Youth Act, which was an act that um, requires inclusiveness for LGBTQ students in sex ed classrooms, and the AIDS Omnibus Act. So these are um, basically the legal standards that all CSE must follow. Um, and CSE curriculum must cover all that is listed in these standards. The, standard, um, the standards include lessons on gender identity, which is called um, understanding there are many ways to express gender. That's the lesson name. Um, starting in kindergarten, standards state that lessons must be inclusive to all, which means they must teach on anal sex and oral sex as traditional sex ed lessons are not inclusive to some groups. Uh, the lessons must use information and materials that are medically and scientifically accurate. So we know in 2021, that means there are at least nine types of gender. Nothing from the standards can be excluded. No public school in Washington state is exempt and no teacher is exempt. So your child may have a great teacher, but she is not exempt from teaching this. So um, the two curriculums that um, are, are, I guess, are most popular would be the three R's and FLASH. So um, a sample lesson plan from the three R's for first grade um, is called gender roles. And um, here's what the, the, the teacher is supposed to say to the students. She's um, going to explain to students that, um, you know, today they're going to talk about different ways that people are expected to behave. You know, sometimes girls are expected to behave this way. Boys are expect expected to behave this way. Um, there, she's going to ask the question, are there some ways that people expect children to behave based on their gender? Um, gender usually means whether you are a boy or a girl, uh, not factual. Um, then you are going to thank the students and you're going to read them a story. And the story is going to be called My Princess Boy. And as you can probably guess, it's a story about a little boy who um, likes to wear sparkly dresses and tiaras and how his dad tells him um, how pretty he is as a princess. In um, grade seven, this is my um, the grade that my son is in. So this is kind of personal to me and he's very young to be um, doing this. They have students role playing um, together in a mixed um, sex classroom. And one of the questions that they would like um, partner A to ask is, why don't we just have oral sex? You can't get STDs from it. Partner uh, B is supposed to respond and so on and so forth. Um, this is not okay. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, a, just a little bit of what is in the three R's curriculum. So in the three R's curriculum and in these standards um, are listed books that teachers could read to children. And in some of the lessons, the books are completely include, like they have to read them. Some of them are suggested. And one of the suggested ones is called It's Perfectly Normal by Robbie Harris. You can Google this one if you would like to. Um, it is an unflinching and fully illustrated guide to sexual health for girls and boys that presents sexual activity as enjoyable. Um, fully illustrated. <laughs> And um, it is like kind of cartoon illustrated, but um, 
it's fully illustrated. So um, plentiful graphic illustrations show female and male genitalia, sexual intercourse, masturbation, childbirth, and more. The text is comprehensive and detailed, describing different types of sexual behavior, including oral and anal sex, explaining what an orgasm feels like, um, and comparing the availability and effectiveness of various forms of birth control. Parents will want to review the content before sharing the updated guide with children. So um, I don't think these books are going to be available for parents to review. A few more by Robbie Harris. It's not The Stork by Robbie Harris, and it's so amazing. Um, I would recommend looking those up. Um, here's another one. Um, 10,000 Dresses by Marcus Ewart. Uh, here's the book description for it. Every night, Bailey dreams about magical dresses. Dresses made of crystals and rainbows. Dresses made of flowers. Dresses made of windows. Unfortunately, when Bailey's awake, no one wants to hear about these beautiful dreams. Quite the contrary. You're a boy, mother and father tell Bailey. You shouldn't be thinking about dresses at all. Then Bailey meets Laurel, an older girl who is inspired by Bailey's imagination and courage. And in friendship, they begin making um, these dresses together. So... There you have it. A few things for you to look up, and I would encourage you to look up um, the three R's as well. So while this may not be for sure the curriculum that your school chooses, um, the work has already been done for them. It's already been compiled. And guess what? It's free. And also, guess what? It's available for Google Classroom. So it's um, available for distance learning. So no worries, even if your child's not at school, they do not have to miss out on CSD. Um, lastly, I want to talk about HB 1225, which is an act relating to supporting school-based health centers. Um, this is happening in Washington. So if you want to know what a school-based health center offers, this is from uh, kingcounty.gov. School-based health centers offer a comprehensive scope of services, including asthma care, immunizations, family planning. So uh, yeah, just another way the government, the public schools are going to be taking care of your children when you are not around. So now what? Now we know what do we do? Well, we start by pulling our kids out of public schools. Um, I get it. I know that some people just do not want to homeschool. They don't feel they can. And um, I get that. You know, there are other options. There are private schools. Yes, it will be a sacrifice of your finances. Um, homeschooling will be a sacrifice of possibly your finances and your time. Um, our kids are worth it. There is obviously a dark agenda being pushed on them, and they are worth protecting, especially while they are young, while they're, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. They don't have a foundation yet because it's still being built. They... Um, don't have anything to weigh this against yet. So, you know, if you're a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle and you want to help, go help out a homeschooling mom in your family. Um, teach a gardening class. Take the kids and, and read with them. Come to um, learning centers. Volunteer your time. We would love to have you. Um, how can churches help? Churches can um, use their platforms to spread this information, to let parents know what's going on. Um, churches can start schools. I've seen it done, and it's pretty awesome. Um, another way churches could help is helping financially for those who are wanting to put their children in private schools. Um, a big way churches can help is 
sharing their buildings. That is something that is huge for um, co-ops and learning centers that are popping up all around. Um, when we were looking for our building, let me just tell you, it was very discouraging. We asked pretty much every single church in our hometown and about 90% were just a hard no. Um, the other churches were, you know, they, they did have a space they could rent us, but the price was too high. Or, um, you know, some of the churches just had a lot going on and didn't have any space available. But, um, yeah, those are ways that we can help. And um, I believe it is going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, obviously, I know this. I've been doing this for many years. But it is worth it. Our children are worth it to give them a solid education where we focus on Jesus and teach them truth. If you've made it this far, congratulations. I know that was a lot of information, but I want to leave you with this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14. Thank you for listening.